Welcome to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, we are closing in on the end of our series, The Countercultural Kingdom, and our study through the Sermon on the Mount. And here in our second to last sermon, we were talking about false converts from Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. And I'll read that for you from the English Standard Version of your Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And the sermon's main point uh, was that spirit-empowered obedience to God, not mere professions nor fervent religious activity, has always been the mark of an authentic relationship with Christ. And from that, we have three of our teaching points. Number one, we need to have a biblical view of professions of faith. Professions of faith are a wonderful thing. They're a gift to us as we confess the thing that has happened in our life. But we need to make sure we have a biblical view of professions of faith, uh, lest we uh, be taken uh, aback by the fact that this text says, not everyone who says, not everyone who professes, uh, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, which thus means that they're not saved. So we have to have a biblical view of professions of faith so we can understand texts just like this. Number two, we need to recognize that saving faith produces genuine obedience. And we need to, number three, admit that works outside of saving faith are inadequate. So life group leaders, as we're thinking about this, we have a, a big task ahead of us this week as we are going to jump into these application questions Uh, And we're going to guide our life groups to faithfully apply this word to their life. And so it's going to take some wisdom and discernment and tact on your part, but also the boldness uh, to be able to speak the truth in love. And so I want to encourage you guys and help you guys think through how we look at these application questions and how we ought to uh, go about helping our group apply them. Uh, as you can tell, these application questions this week are, are, are a, little, a little deep. There's a little bit of meat on these that we're going to have to help uh, our group work through and think through and be able to ask good questions about the answers that people have. Uh, for example, question number one, although verbal, verbal professions are biblical and encouraged, why w- must we not allow verbal professions to become the chief expression of our salvation? And we see in Scripture that it is clear that we ought to profess faith. It is a part of uh, the outward uh, display of a genuine conversion. And so as much as we necessitate verbal professions, how is, if, as this question asks us, how would it we err and how would it be wrong for us to make that profession the chief expression of our salvation or the that's the only thing and the chief thing that we would look at when it comes to genuine conversion and we can read the text in Isaiah 29 verse 13 and James 2 14 through 18 as uh, some text we can go to to see the the problem that happens if we make 
chief expressions of our salvation, just the profession that we make. Uh, but really, life group leaders, there's going to take some tact on your part, some patience, and some conversation amongst your life group to prayerfully and expectantly come to a biblical place of, uh, of thinking about verbal professions. And uh, again, how we, and even as a life group leader, you, you, should, uh, you should think diligently about the reality that we can't be the arbiters of salvation. You and I don't get to dictate or choose, or you and I don't get to uh, decry who is and is, who who isn't or, or or won't be saved. Although that we can uh, look at the fruit of people's lives, and that we are allowed, particularly in our church context, to be able to uh, look at someone and say biblically, there is not a fruit of salvation in your life. And that should help us kind of toe that line of saying, we can't just go around all the time saying that somebody's not saved without really, really walking with them and looking into their life. Uh, of course, there are uh, a number of, of uh, examples, obviously, people blaspheming the Holy Spirit, people uh, completely living uh, outside of, uh, of, of a life of uh, obedience. I mean, of course there are, but it's, it's those who are coming and sitting in our churches, being a part of our life groups, people who are even struggling with sin, uh, that we have to be careful as we're thinking about verbal professions of faith uh, and the actual gift of salvation and how they are both often found together, n- most almost always found together, but according to the text, they can also be separate, that there can be these people who profess faith who aren't actually saved. And so what we need to do is, with a great amount of tact, think through and slowly uh, discern and help our groups have a, have a well-rounded understanding of, you know, just biblically speaking, everyone who professes faith will not be saved. There is something, uh, there is something uh, specific about salvation that is not just because I say I'm saved. It's, it's a gift of the Spirit it's a gift of, of God, and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit as a, a gift from God through His Son. And so I think it's going to be a wonderful question for you guys to look at together, but it's not going to be easy. And so I just want to encourage you guys, don't let people get into the weeds. Uh, you need to keep uh, your life group thinking rightly about the question. Uh, don't go down in a lot of rabbit holes. Keep people focused on what the Bible says. And always do that. I know sometimes you get into the moment of a conversation uh, we always want to give our thoughts, and even you as a life group leader, you're tempted to give your thoughts and your opinions, but here's what you do. What does the Bible say? And I encourage you guys, you can look at Isaiah's passage, the, the passage in James. You can look in First John. It's a wonderful place to step into if you really want to think through what uh, what it would look like for somebody to profess to know Jesus but uh, not actually be saved. First John's a great place for that. Because uh, it really, number two falls into number three. How can you exercise prudence when talking to people who recently made a profession of faith without becoming a skeptic of every profession of faith? I mean, these two questions are, are, uh, are you're going to take those together in a sense because they're going to play off of one another. And so that can be, uh, it's, and it's why in question number two, I think you can be a little more firm of saying we have to be able to firmly say that a, a verbal profession of faith does not always equal salvation. Because then in question number three, you can really uh, then come in with a uh, with the wisdom and discernment of saying, but you can't be a skeptic of every profession of faith 
uh, and be that person who just doubts everyone's salvation? Uh, so I think those two questions are going to work well together if you take them together that way. Question number four says, why does rejecting, minimizing, or ignoring the place of consistent obedience in the Christian life undermine God's plan for his children? Uh, I think this is a good question in the context of our church and uh, many people who come into our doors and who have become a part of our church. Uh, they're, they're really trying to figure out what does obedience and good works, what, are they, what, what part do they play in the life of the Christian? Because many of them have taught that those things although good or not necessarily uh, have to be part of my faith. And because I'm a sinner, I'm always going to fail, that God cannot seriously expect some kind of consistent obedience out of me. And uh, that's a prevailing uh, thought in our, uh, in our churches today. And so we need to be able to have a really good defense of why the Bible does talk about consistent obedience and how God does expect that out of his children, not perfectionism, but uh, consistent obedience. And then question number five here is, how would you harmonize the relationship between salvation by faith alone and Christ alone with the necessary works that accompany genuine salvation to a new believer who is asking about assurance of their salvation? I think this is a wonderful question for your group because what they're going to have to now think about is not only what they think about it, but how they're going to be able to articulate this idea between uh, faith in Christ and the salvation that comes from faith in Christ, and then obedience to God in the believer's life. And so take time to get through these. I, didn't, I asked four questions, including the, the first question that we always ask to get the group warmed up. And I think that uh, if you can get through all these, that would be wonderful. Uh, but I think any of these, if you sit on them for a while, are going to be very helpful uh, for your life group. There's a resource that uh, Pastor Evan and I think would be good for you guys. It's Saved Without a Doubt by John MacArthur. It's, it's been around for a while, um, but I think it's going to be one of those books that you can point people back to as a reference, particularly if they're somebody who is doubting their salvation or somebody who wants to know more about how to talk about assurance. It's a classic. It's a wonderful uh, book. Uh, I think uh, uh, Don Whitney also has uh, one that I have read uh, uh, let me see. Let me look it up for you guys so you can have that one too. Uh, yeah, uh, Donald Whitney has one. It says, How Can I Be Sure I'm a Christian? That's another resource. And, of course, I gave you that resource about children and their professions of faith a couple of weeks ago, which I still think that's a wonderful resource for you guys as well. So I think those three books would be just some helpful resources for you guys to think about uh, assurance and how to walk people through professions of faith. And I know you, as life group leaders, you know, obviously we're on the same page because obviously you're life group leaders. We've taken you guys through uh, the, the process of leadership at our church, and you've been tested first and all those things. Uh, and I know we can take these things for granted that we, we believe, we believe and firmly that just because somebody says they're a Christian doesn't make them a Christian. But if you think about things like an Arminian theology, particularly like the Wesleyan uh, doctrines, uh, that, that go along with that, particularly in the Methodist churches or the free grace uh, churches. I mean, they're all going to say it's just about believing. And to them, to, be, to believe is, hey, it's chief about saying that is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord or is he Savior? I mean, I don't know if the free grace uh, movement would even say Lord, but you confess that Jesus is your Savior? Yes, then you're saved. And so we're going to say, okay, but slow down because Jesus says this right here, that not everyone who says Lord, Lord, it's like not everybody who confesses my name will be saved. So it's going to be a, a great conversation worth the time that we expend in prayer and application. 
uh, as far as our life groups go, you guys are doing a great job. I want to encourage you. This is just the time of the fall semester where people begin falling off a little bit. Not that they're leaving. I mean, they're going to come back. Uh, but what we don't want to do is get people out of community for so long that they get a bunch of the bumps and the bruises that come along with being isolated. And, you know, we think about what's going on. Obviously, the schedules are getting busy in, in this part of the fall. Uh, holidays are coming up, uh, which obviously people are going to get busy with schedules. Uh, obviously, people are getting sick, and so there are going to be good reasons why people are missing some weeks. Uh, the time change with the weather is just going to make people feel a little bit more tired, a little more drowsy. They're going to want to cuddle up at home. And so I'm just saying there are a lot of there are a lot of outside pressures pushing in, and that's without even the spiritual warfare that goes on in people's lives and uh, Satan's schemes to keep people out of community. And, and even as we talked about in our prayer uh, gathering last night, which I loved it, there was like there was 90 of us there just praying to the Lord. And we talked about the schemes of Satan and how we have to have the whole armor of God on. It's important for you life group leaders to be reaching out regularly to your life groups, people who aren't showing up, reminders of people to make sure you commit to this, be a part of this. Uh, because this, we aren't, we understand we wouldn't be doing life groups if we didn't think they were biblically important. And uh, I think this time of year, people need that reminder and that uh, encouragement and push, extra push to get them into uh, their life groups this week. So I encourage you guys do that. Reach out to them if you haven't, people you haven't seen in a while, reach out to them, call them on the phone, tell them you miss them and you'd like to have them back. Uh, for your Wednesday night life groups, uh, Bob Dickey, who, who uh, oversees our parking team, uh, also, we have a brand new light that he is now hauling into the cul-de-sac, so we can have a light at nighttime with this time change. Uh, we need some more light being uh, projected out there in the cul-de-sac so people can see. Uh, and uh, you know, Bob Dickey shows up early, and he always stays all the way till the end until we just put that light up. And uh, he asked me if maybe there were some uh, men, some life group leaders or other men uh, on our Wednesday night teams who have a truck that have a, a hitch that could maybe... Uh, we can call on a couple of you guys to uh, haul the uh, the light tower back behind the uh, back behind the building after it's done. If, if you're interested in that, you'd, you'd like to do that, just let me know. I think that would help Bob out a whole lot. Um, and I know uh, Jenny, his wife, would, would uh, really appreciate that some other men were jumping in and helping Bob out with that as well. So I just want to put that out there for you guys. Please let me know if you'd be interested in that. Uh, as far as announcements go, we have our final Exploring Compass coming up on November 12th and the 19th. Obviously, registrations are open for that. We have Christmas at Compass. I mean, it's just barreling in on us. I know we got a couple of things before that, like our men's event November the 11th. Uh, but Christmas at Compass is just coming on. Uh, we have our women's Christmas coffee on December the 2nd. Make sure all people register. I mean, there's already a ton of people uh, registered for some of our things we have going on in December. I'm actually going to look now. Uh, let's see for our, yeah, there's already have 30, 30 women who are registered for our women's Christmas coffee. So that's a wonderful, go ahead. And, uh, and we have 55 people registered for exploring compass. So, uh, yeah, tell people, Hey, get registered for these things. We want to know how many people are going to be there. Uh, so we can prepare well for those. Uh, we have a, a guest preacher coming up in the first week of December, Chris McKinney, who's a biblical archeologist, who's going to teach on the evidence of the Bethlehem account that we see in the gospel of Luke. And that's going to be really awesome. We have our Christmas celebration uh, coming up in a couple weeks, our kids' Christmas choir and our serve team celebration and the Christmas Eve service, which is on a Sunday morning at 9-11 uh, this year. So, I mean, I just want you to think about all the events we have coming up and think about the opportunity to invite people to all of these wonderful 
services and all these wonderful opportunities uh, at our church. Let this be one, uh, as we say to our to you guys as leaders. This is we're, we're getting into that evangelistic push here at the end of the year. To, we're creating a lot of opportunities for people to to come. Uh, and and see what uh, what God's doing here at our church, and to bring people closer to Christ. And so, I want you to take the opportunity to uh, when, when we get we're gonna get a flyer out soon, entitled Christmas at Compass, with all these events and all the information for that. We want you to take them. We want you to invite people to be a part of what God is doing here at Compass Bible Church. As always, if you have any questions, if you need anything from your pastors, we want you to know you can reach out to us. We love you guys dearly. We know that uh, you guys are the leaders that God has chosen in this congregation to lead, and we are so grateful for that. And so with that being said, I want to encourage you guys to hop on over to the Compass Equip podcast as we go over a bunch of the questions that people had about this sermon this week. So we'll see you over there.